This is The Shakeout. Welcome to the Farewell Tour episode. My name is Michael Doyle. I'm the editor of Canadian Running Magazine. And with me today, first I've got in studio web editor Sinead Mulhern. Hey, Sinead. Hi, Michael. And in Vancouver, sitting in the baggage claim area at the airport, (laughs) I've given it away, is staff writer Tim Hughes. Hey, Tim. Very excited to be here. What are you doing in Vancouver, Tim? I'm going to be doing the, the world's steepest 400-meter race in um, about 12 hours from when this episode will go live. So, yeah, the, the, up at Whistler, the Red Bull 400. And uh, what will you have strapped to your forehead? <laughs> GoPro for maybe the first run, and I might have a, uh, the chest mount for the, the second one. We'll see. We'll do Excellent. a lot of Facebook Live video, a lot of, uh, a lot of photos, a lot of... Uh, frightened faces, I'm sure. A lot of pain faces, too. Oh, tons of pain faces. It, that looks like such a grueling, amazing event. Will your face be frightened? I don't, I don't know how, how well people will be able to see my face because it's quite, quite smoky here. I don't know uh, what the, the smoke situation in uh, Worcester is like, but you can't really see too far in Vancouver. Really? Wow. So I guess that's from the forest fires, right? Yeah, like from the, for those familiar from the airport, you can't see the North Shore Mountains. It just like looks like Oh wow! It looks like not looks like nothing, but wow, wow, like just like a dense, dense kind of a haze. Crazy. Wow. So today on the show we're going to do two segments. Um, first, uh, uh, Sinead and I will be chatting with uh, Roy Linkletter, who is the currently the world record holder in the Blue Jean Mile. That's four laps of the track in a pair of one hundred percent cotton denim pants. <laughs> Not his own pants. And no belt. <laughs> it's an amazing conversation. Uh, that's first up. And then secondly, we're going to uh, we're gonna chat with Tim uh, about the World Championships in London. The next 10 days are going to be totally taken over by track and field here at Canadian Running. And we'll be covering everything ongoing live all afternoon long, every day of the week, all morning and an afternoon Eastern time. In March, in an article in Sidious Mag entitled Track Needs a New Gimmick Introducing the Blue Jean Mile, Paul Snyder argues that uh, we need something else other than the beer mile to hype up running. And so he comes up with this idea, how about running 1,609 meters in a pair of 100% cotton blue jeans? Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, Canada's Rory Linkletter uh, set out to break the world record and did so running 416, which stands currently as the world record for a blue jean mile. Rory, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us first off, how did you, how did you get roped into doing a blue jeans mile? So it all, it was, to be completely honest, it was kind of more of a a fun thing, kind of, I like like to call it a publicity stunt (laughs) because I just tweeted out, I was kind of a thing that Sidious Magazine and some stuff was hyping around 
on Twitter and I just tweeted 100 retweets and I'll try the blue jean mile uh, and got got that 100 retweets pretty quick. So I'm a man of my word and I decided to give it a go. And if I'm going to do something, I'm going to try to do it my best. And so I went all out for it and had a lot of fun and got the world record for now. Um. Okay, so this is kind of a thing that has taken off recently. It's kind of a funny uh, track stunt. Where did you first hear about it? And kind of like what was your first reaction when you initially found out that people are putting on a pair of jean pants and trying to run a mile as fast as they can? Um, well, I kind of heard about it just through social media, but I I love that kind of stuff. I think it's fun. I think it's all just a good, good little laugh and lightheartedness and just you know those types of conversations come up on your on your just regular runs all the time like oh how fast do you think you could run if you had to do this this and this and I'm sure that that's how this started is someone on a run was like well how fast could you run in blue jeans and now people are doing it and it's just just all fun you know so you ran 416 in in Utah which is at altitude which is pretty impressive um Tim wrote a uh, a story on it that we had on our site last week where uh, he also put it in a kind of elevation calculator. So it equals out to maybe about a 411. Um, do you, and I, I know that Sidious Mag put up a, a now growing prize purse of, I think it's 1200 US right now, if somebody can crack four minutes in the mile. Was, you know, is that something that you're going to like aim to do or uh is this just sort of a one-off that you got together with a bunch of buddies at the track and 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 gave it a shot i'd say for now it's just uh got together with a bunch of my buddies at the track and just did it once and had some fun with it but uh afterwards i mean we we had so much fun with it and guys were on the team loved it and they're like let's do this every year and you know i i don't know if i'm gonna go after a sub four and in jeans, especially <laughs> since I just did it at altitude. If they, I, I mean, I, I don't think I got to break four on the uh, on the no gene mile. So <laughs> before I start talking about that, so so yeah, we got we got some work to do, but but it'd be it'd be cool. And I can't really take twelve hundred dollars prize money right now, anyways. So we'll have to see what yeah. that what happens after I'm done with my NCAA eligibility. Maybe that'll be my last hurrah on tracking. So. <laughs> So the question that immediately came to mind for me is what type of jeans did you go with and how did you select the pair of jeans, your racing jeans? So I don't own a pair of blue jeans what? and that might sound crazy, but like for whatever <laughs> reason, I've, I haven't bought a pair of jeans in years. I probably own a pair, but they're probably back at home with my parents somewhere in a box, but I have, I didn't take any of the university with me. So I actually don't own a pair of jeans. So I just, our team has a group message. I said, everybody that has blue jeans, bring them. I'm going to pick a pair. And uh, everyone brought jeans and only one person actually brought 100% cotton. So I had one option and it was some really, really old, like probably 2000 some, like early 2000 old Navy bell bottom blue jeans. Nice. Wow. That, you, that's it, quite a so, kicker. So I had to, I had to, <laughs> I had to cuff the the bottom because the bell bottoms were not going to fly. Uh, they were, like seriously, they flared out like crazy. It was terrible. And I noticed you didn't wear a belt, which is risky. 
yeah, that that's like the number one criticism I've received so far is <laughs> my lack of belt. And I was I was gonna bring a belt, but I mean I did it first thing in the morning. I kind of rolled out of bed and head head over to the locker room, and I just forgot to grab my belt. And the jeans fit okay, and I didn't feel like I needed it, so I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go no belt. And I mean the counter argument to the to the criticism that I've received for not wearing a belt would be that the belt would have been just a little extra weight and maybe would, would have held me down. (laughs) Okay. So speaking about the pants, before we get off the topic of, of the pants, um, when you run this, do you get like, I'm wondering about the chafe situation. How much body glide did you have to put on before this? So I didn't have to do too much body glide. I just wore a pair of like compression shorts underneath. Mm. Right. Uh, I had the body glide ready just in case. I warmed up in them a little bit to see how it felt. <laughs> but uh, actually, it wasn't as bad as everyone would make it think. Like, it must have been a really nice fit because I had no problem with the shape. It was more like the restrictive, like there's no like give to a pair of jeans, you know? If anything, it was more restrictive than, than chafing or any sort of discomfort. I just felt like I I was, it felt weird running fast in them, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're, I mean, you placed second at uh, the NCAA uh, championships this year in the 10,000 meters. You're a serious runner. You represented Canada at the world, cha- at the world championships in cross country in Uganda earlier this year as well. Uh, how do you feel about kind of like the, 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 the running stunts that are, that have sort of emerged uh, in the last couple of years, you know, obviously the beer mile comes to mind and now this like, is this sort of like a kind of a, uh, does it bother you in any way or are you just super into it and you think that any publicity is good publicity for track? I, the latter, any publicity is good publicity for track. You know, uh, there's not enough people that really are all that in track, but if you throw something like beer or blue jeans and make it a good laugh and make it fun, I had friends that haven't really cared <laughs> too much about my, track career because that's not something that interests them that we're just so pumped about this like i i got it's so funny because it's just it's it was a joke to me it was kind of fun and they they seriously thought it was just so awesome that i ran a mile and anytime you can attach the 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 title world record to it obviously it's going to be a little bit greater but uh yeah they just thought it they just got up the blue jean mile so I think it's good. I think it's anything that just like highlights like how fit and how much work we put in as track and field athletes are. So it's good. I don't mind it. I, it's funny. And I know that some people have been mad, like that guys like Corey Belmore get a, get a uh, contract for his beer mile or who's Kent where like Nate Brandon was contractless for the first part of the year. So, yeah. I mean, I, that I don't agree with, but you know, if it's that's the sponsors that's not that's not our mm-hmm. our spot to pick right there yeah you know kind of going off that we do okay so we publish stuff on the beer mile now this um when we post these things online yeah we get a lot of um negative social media commentary on it we also get a lot of positive comments but it's one of those things where you know people either love it or they hate it um what do you kind of say to the people who say like, no, this is stupid. It's, it's ruining the reputation of our sport. Like, because at the same time you're saying, you know, well, it's gaining interest in the sport. So 
what's kind of like your response to the uh, negative commentary? I would say just have fun with it. I don't get why we have to take it super seriously. Running is fun and I do it because I enjoy it. And there's nothing wrong with putting a little twist on the, on what we do and making it more of a lighthearted activity. I, I take my running super, super seriously. It's like one of the biggest part of my life at this point. And I don't think that throwing on a pair of blue jeans or drinking a beer in between each lap makes it so that you're, you're not respecting the sport. So, uh, the sport you respect it by putting an effort day in and day out and devoting your life to it. So I don't think that you can really question whether or not giving some publicity to a little bit of fun had with the sport. Mm-hmm. I mean, I take my training seriously all the time. This is just for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Um, and you had mentioned how some of your friends, you know, maybe they weren't that interested in your track career or your races or just track in general. But now that they hear about something that is kind of kooky and weird, they get interested. I'm kind of wondering, like, just in your opinion, so we've got the world championships going on right now. Do you think that there can kind of be like a tie in? Like, is this maybe an entryway to getting interested in track where, you know, you gravitate towards the weird um, event and then you realize like, oh, hey, there might actually be something to uh, track as a spectator sport? You know, I don't think that I would necessarily incorporate all this stuff into the, the big the big dance because mm-hmm. the world championships is a prestigious event as are like the Olympics and stuff. And I wouldn't necessarily put it in that, but I think it just turns some people's heads and then, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mix the two. I, I definitely right. think that they're, they are, they are tr- attempting things like that. I've heard rumors of like a co-ed four by four and that kind of stuff. And that's not necessarily lighthearted or funny, but, it, but it is a twist. That, that makes things more interesting, maybe for spectators. And so they are trying different things. We saw that with World Cross this year. They had the first mixed gender relay at World Cross. Uh, and they're talking about uh, in 2020 putting in a 4 by 4 mixed gender. So I think it's, it's all good, right? As long as you can get viewership and get people paying attention to what we're doing and the hard work put in, it's all that matters. But I think keep the sport prestigious at this level. So... Mm-hmm and give it the respect it deserves. But on, on, a, on the time of year when it's not championship season and it's just for fun, yeah, I think it's good for the sport to get any sort of publicity. Right. So uh, for those that aren't familiar with BYU, um, it's a predominantly Mormon uh, university in the United States in Utah, and it's got an honor code that uh, uh, students and administration uh, need to abide, abide by. So like the blue jeans mile sort of, to me, seems like the perfect fit because I don't think you guys are going to be doing a beer mile. Right. Um, but have you, tri- no. have you, no, yeah. Um, have you guys tried any, like the only thing I can think of that's worse than a beer mile is like a milk mile. Has that ever <laughs> happened at BYU? Oh, this is great. I'm glad you brought this up. BYU every Christmas break at the end of finals, right before we leave for Christmas break, we do this thing called the eggnog challenge. no, <laughs> and it is uh, the craziest thing, like way crazier than than the Blue Jean Mile and way more fun. It's just crazy stuff. So every year we do this where you run a, uh, a lap around the track and in between each lap you have to drink a cup of eggnog. It's about a six 
to eight ounce cup of eggnog Ew. and then you run another lap and there's a timed limit on each lap and cup and you go until you puke last person to puke wins. Ew. <laughs> that's amazing and that is epic like like how, it's the ultimate laps? endurance challenge tell us tell us what so happened I've at christmas done, yeah. <laughs> yeah i've done i've done eight cups and eight laps for the last like two years i've been stuck at eight or nine cups <laughs> uh but the record is like 16 or 17 which is over a gallon of eggnog in your stomach oh which my. is absolutely crazy oh my god uh so yeah it, it gets pretty crazy i've never come close to winning that for some reason i think that there's a special talent on holding down that kind of pain so a gallon of eggnog that in your blows stomach. blows my mind. That is that outdoes because there's there was a there was a guy in the U.S. that did uh, the beer half marathon. He did 13 beers and 13 miles. There's been uh, there's been of course there's the uh, the um, Krispy Kreme challenge oh, in North Carolina. Yes. I think the eggnog thing that you just described is the most terrifying running event I've ever heard of. I think that's also the weirdest thing anybody has told us on the podcast. <laughs> That is awesome. Know. Like next this this winter, maybe we'll we'll get it hyped. We'll get like a live feed, and we'll get you oh, guys involved or something. Do I don't it. know. It's pretty awesome. Pro- <laughs> promise me you'll reach out reach out to us, Rory, because we will get behind the the eggnog thing a thousand percent. I'll block my day off. <laughs> we'll make it yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So we'll, we'll for sure get that. So uh, before we let you go, last question. Um, You've had quite a bit of success uh, in the last year. You've you've really you've really kind of had a big. Twenty seventeen was a big year for you. Uh, what are you looking forward to in the future in terms of your own running? Um, right now, I mean, finishing second at NCAA's was quite the accomplishment. I feel pretty good about it. Way up is first place now, so um, my eyes are on a individual and team national championship here at BYU in the NCAA, and then making the jump towards world class so I can not be watching the world championships in London but competing in the next one so that's kind of my goal very cool great well good luck and thank you so much for joining us today Roy thanks so much hey thanks for having me it was fun thanks Roy that was awesome okay take it easy have a good day thanks bye 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 And in our second segment, we're going to chat all about the IAAF World Championships, which begin today, Friday, in London, England. A lot of huge storylines, a lot of um, exciting storylines, a couple of major disappointments, especially for Team Canada. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but first things first, the thing that's the storyline that's been consuming the media globally right now is uh, the the retirement, the impending retirement, the last hurrah of Usain Bolt, arguably the greatest sprinter, maybe even track and field athlete, maybe one of the greatest athletes with the greatest and most dominant runs in sports history. Uh, Tim, what do you expect from from Usain Bolt's uh, uh, performance in, in London? Well, it's interesting. The last few times around, he's he, I think he said this in the pre-race kind of uh, press conference that he's kind of been the underdog People always kind of doubt him and think he's uh, not looking in great shape coming into the championships. He's been running slowly. He only, I think, broke 10 for the first time uh, within the last month or so uh, in Monaco. But every single time he's 
dubbed as kind of like the underdog like last year and Rio, maybe Gatlin was going to beat him, but every single time he just kind of seems to deliver when it, it matters most. Um, and he has kind of that experience of going around to round like 300 meters. So, and he's just doing that event. So it's, uh, all eyes are going to be on him. So it's, should be exciting. And now without, which I'm sure we're going to touch on in a second, DeGrasse not being there. Um, I think he's, he's going to be the man to beat. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Sinead, it, it, I think everyone, the hype was building, especially since Rio last year, yeah. the hype was building for this great coronation of Andre de Grasse, the sort of no pun intended, but the handing of the baton from, <laughs> yeah, sorry, from, from Bolta de Grasse and everything just seemed to be like falling in line so perfectly for DeGrasse leading up to this. I mean, he looks pretty strong. Um, he looks pretty strong, looked pretty strong going into London. Mm -hmm. And I think his biggest competition I kind of felt was Trayvon Bramell of the United States. Another, another young, super talented, uh, sprinter who I thought was going to give DeGrasse a lot of trouble as kind of the next great sprinter. And, Bramel didn't even qualify and it just seemed like the road was paved for, for, for DeGrasse. And then what happened? Yeah. You know, it was such a letdown. There was that announcement. So he announced on Twitter on Wednesday night that he was pulling out, uh, out of world championships, his hamstring, he tore a hamstring in practice. Uh, it looks like it's going to have him out for four to six weeks. So you know, it is a big bummer, especially because he is a person who, one, he's easy to like. He has quite a good personality um, alongside the fact that obviously he is such an incredibly talented athlete. Um, I know his coach said yesterday, you know, this is just a blip in the grand scheme of things because he is so young. Likely he can keep going for, you know, up to another decade. So it's not like with Usain Bolt or some other athletes, this would have been the last hurrah by any means. That said, it is really upsetting. Like, he is one of the big Canadians that everyone was kind of having their eye out for. I mean, it doesn't mean that there isn't still a whole team of amazingly talented people to watch over the next 10 days, but that was certainly, that was a shocker. Like, when I saw uh, on Twitter Wednesday night that he's out, like, that's... Definitely, definitely a huge disappointment. I think it's a massive blow for the sport. I think it's a yeah. It, I think it hurts Canadian running, but I also think globally it kind of hurts the sport as well because I think you know the media, the mainstream media is showing up for the last race of Usain Bolt to yeah. kind of close out his career. Everyone kind of expects he's going to win. I think this this time around, uh, and as Tim alluded to, there was some there was quite a bit of doubt going into some previous competitions. I mean, I remember in Beijing, he seemed pretty beatable. Mm -hmm. um, and then he just peaked at the right moment and crushed everybody. And it's just a real shame because I think part of uh, mainstream media coverage is kind of completing the circle of that narrative. And, and they were reaching for a guy like DeGrasse and they, it just would have been such a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. And I think he probably would have done really well in this competition as well with a couple of medals at least. Yeah. So. And you know, it's, it's like the grand finale thing. I mean, last year in Rio, the entertainment value between those two is so high. And I think something that Usain Bolt has pointed out in the past is that, you know, it's not just about running record-breaking times or being the fastest person, but you have to be able to bring your personality 
to the tracks that people in the stands can see who you are and both of those athletes do that so it is watching that drama and that kind of what was dubbed their bromance unfold last year in Rio it just kind of made the world championships all the more better and like we didn't know that that was going to be their last time going head to head so there is kind of that I feel a little shortchanged in in that respect okay so getting over this great disappointment Tim what um, what are some exciting storylines that you're looking at uh, on the whole kind of globally for the world championships that our our listeners uh, should get behind should tune into should should live stream and also maybe like one or two um, Canadian favorite races that you're looking forward to. Well, to start off with the Canadians, I'm sure everyone's going to be uh, honing in kind of on Melissa Bishop and how she's going to fare against um, some of the all three of the medalists from Rio in the 800 meter. And she, we just saw she set the Canadian record recently, um, lowered her own Canadian record, which she set last year in Rio just um, in the last month or so. So that's she's basically going to have to probably run in the 156s I'm guessing to to medal this time around she was uh, she seemed pretty rattled with a fourth place finish as uh, most people uh, would be as and speaking of fourth place finishes Mohamed in the men's 5k uh, in Rio last year he's um, he's going to be doing the, the 10k and the 5k so he uh, he's a really exciting uh, person to watch I'm kind of uh, interested to see how Crystal Emmanuel is going to do a lot of attention kind of goes to Canada's fastest man um, but at the same time Crystal Emmanuel uh, Canada's fastest woman uh, set a uh, Canadian rec- <clears throat> record recently so um, she's going to be an exciting one to watch uh, Justin Knight Brandon McBride some of these like up-and-coming um, athletes and then just some of the athletes that people have kind of been watching for years like Damian Warner and the decathlon uh and with Ashton Eaton out that's a, a big storyline he he might get the gold um upgrade from bronze and silver so yeah yeah I think I mean Sinead I think it you know last world championships Canada did remarkably well we had a big medal haul uh, I wonder if this time around it's I think there's the expectations are were quite high at least a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago they were quite high I'm not sure how it's, you know, I mean, I think their expectations have been tamped down slightly because removing Andre de Grasse theoretically removes potential for not two, but three medals because you got to think about the, the relay team as well. Um, where do you think Canada is going to fall in terms of the medal count? I mean, we had a an internal office pool about who was going to medal for Canada um, that we posted online. So everyone knows what our thoughts are. <laughs> um, yeah, nod to our, our online go check out who you think is gonna is gonna win or at least take home a medal not necessarily win yeah i mean so what are you what are you excited about especially Um, from the canadian perspective but also just generally about watching this 10-day event yeah you know what i am excited it's like day one so it's it's like we have a week and a half of some pretty interesting plot lines you know uh we actually ran a piece a few weeks ago a profile that i wrote on natasha wodak Um, So Natasha kind of walked me through some of her, um, you know, disappointments that she's had in her career recently. And uh, I think she spoke quite candidly about that. I think it was something that a lot of people can relate to. So Natasha, um, you know, she's an athlete who I always like watching specifically after that interview. So we should put a link to that as well. She's a person that I'm excited about. Um, You know, Tim kind of did a good run through of a lot of the... uh, 
notable athletes to watch someone who I really like and it's also because she has um I've gotten to know her through editing her is Andrea Sakafian I think she's quite a scrappy um a scrappy runner I think she really um has her head on her shoulders she's quite passionate um and I think she has a really good handle of the mental aspect of the sport so I'm I'm excited to just watch her um Bishop is probably going to be my most exciting race to watch I would say but um and I guess also the the women's marathon on Sunday morning which I'm going to be covering at 9 a.m so you know that's kind of a a quick run through of a lot of the highlights yeah I think as a as a a marathon guy. I, I'm excited about watching both marathons. I find that at world championships or, or the Olympics, the, the marathons are often kind of the most unpredictable and thrilling. Uh, mm-hmm. and I think this time around, just from taking it in as a, as a race, uh, 2012 produced some, some pretty interesting results. I mean, the men's race in 2012 was really, uh, quite a gripping and dramatic, uh, uh, sporting event to watch. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that we definitely it's worth watching both of those events. Yeah. Um, I'm also actually really excited about seeing how this whole Mo Farah dynasty yeah. plays out because I'm not 100 percent. I've said this before. And I just feel like an idiot. I'm like started to say it. And I'm like, I'm just going to be proven wrong saying this yet again. I'm not 100 percent certain he is going to pull off the double gold. I'm a moron for even betting against Mo. <laughs> You've said it now. I love um, um, Jeffrey Camorra. I love his attitude. He's like, he's my guy. I want him to beat Mo Farah. I don't want Mo Farah to win. I find Mo Farah boring. <laughs> I'm going to say that right now. You know, like I... I feel like Mo, even Mo Farah has acknowledged that. Oh, God. It's like <laughs> Mo Farah is, to me, I mean, like he's he's a dominant, extraordinary athlete. He can beat you. He can beat you in a tactical race. He can beat you in the all-out kickers race. I mean, he's like, he can beat you with speed. He can run sub-27 10K, sub-13 5K. I mean, he can kind of beat you every way. Yeah. Um, and I just, I feel like the Kenyans and the Ethiopians, I mean, Paul Tanui tried in a race last year, a couple of years ago to beat him, to, to burn him out. Didn't work out. They've tried to outkick him. Didn't work out. I just, I want to see somebody beat Mo Farah. I'm not interested in the immaculate Mo Farah story. I'm not British. <laughs> I find Mo Farah kind of a boring guy, quite frankly. And I want to see him get beat. I want to see someone steal the crown from Mo Farah's head in London. That's what I want to see. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Tim? Uh, I, yeah, I've wanted to see uh, either the Kenyans or Ethiopians work together at some point in the past. Uh, like you said, over those distances, I feel like with three at least three on each uh for each of those countries they could just basically trade the pace and run under 27 minutes for 10k or something and which is basically the limit of i think of what mofar can run because he has insane closing speed but he might not have the uh just like that flat out um being able to hang with these guys for like 25 hard laps or 12 or 12 and a half hard laps so um yeah i'm calling uh Mohamed for a medal too. I think he's uh, nice. Maybe yeah. maybe two Mo's on the podium. That'd be cool. Yeah, I think. I mean, I you know I think that he's he's definitely globally still a dark horse, but I think he's for sure in a in a he's shown that in a, a championship level race like at the Olympics last year he can be kind of your a top five guy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I think he's got that he's got that determination and he'll take he's like you know he's a bit of a gunsling gun, gunslinger he'll take the risk in the bell lap he'll go with the leaders um, and see what you know he'll put himself in that position he's become a really smart racer so uh, yeah I mean and I think you know as we've spoken before we, we we've interviewed uh, Justin Knight in the show I think I think people like Justin Knight Gabriella Stafford uh, Brandon McBride who's like a little bit more experienced than those two but but still quite young I think that they're they're three athletes that um, Canada should be really excited about and should keep an eye out on them for for making a final mm-hmm. and I think making a final at that age is a really really big deal it and is. yeah you know I don't I think it's very easy to get caught up in you know uh, did they medal or didn't they and that's sort of the the barometer of success but when you're talking about like a 21 or a 22 year old athlete making a a world championship final that would be a massive massive stepping stone for someone like Gabriella Stafford's career mm-hmm. right yeah uh, and bodes really well for her moving into towards the the 2020 Olympics and becoming one of those people that that can maybe sort of uh, um, grow into being um, an absolute world-class professional yeah so. you know I, yeah I, I agree with you and I you kind of said something that I hope that people take note of which is that these are names that people should be watching and I hope that people are watching this world championships over the next 10 days I think sometimes um when the word olympics is not in a title sometimes interest from the general population or maybe it's just people aren't as aware of it but um I'm not sure if interest wanes when it's not the event that people consider you know the biggest one so I hope that people are taking note that this is going on and that it's so easy to watch. Like we have the live stream embedded on our website. It's on CBC. You can stream it through the IAAF social media. So, you know, it's, it's accessible. Um, It's free. It's free. These are the exact same athletes who showed up last year and not the exact same, but there's many of the same names who showed up last year in Rio. Um, these are names that are going to continue to be on the scene. So I, I do hope, yeah, especially those, those few that you just mentioned there, I hope that, um, that Canadians can kind of, uh, take an interest and, and recognize how big of a deal this is and celebrate their accomplishments. I, um, another hot take for Friday afternoon. It's like, I'm, I'm filled with hot takes hot today. Take episode. It's, it's a hot day here in <laughs> Toronto. It's humid. I just went for a run at lunch. Uh, and um, I'm, um, I'm unleashing some heat right now. You know, track and field has got, I think it's got an Olympic problem. I think it's too dependent yeah. on the Olympics. And I think something like the world championships kind of reveals that. I actually think that we're, uh, we're, we're entering a really interesting period in of an unknown period in track and field moving into 2018 because we're losing Usain Bolt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mo Farah is sort of in the twilight of his career or at least his dominance so you're going to lose that narrative as well and there's a lot of unknowns there's a lot of question marks um, and also you know like people like Ash Neaton have moved on as well mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot and there's a lot of questions and quandaries and issues like you know there's a Castor Semenya issue that has mm-hmm. you know uh, needs to be dealt with and I'm not sure if it's I'm not sure if it's been dealt with, I think the IWF doesn't want to deal with it or they want to deal with it in a certain way. And maybe that's not the right way. I don't know what the right way is, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of question marks in track and field right now. Yeah. And I don't think that's a bad thing because I think this, 
I think it's an exciting sport. Obviously, we talk about it every day. We're excited about the World Championships. If you're listening, you probably if you're listening this far into the podcast, you're excited about the World Championships <laughs> too. So, but I I do think that a lot of the a lot of aspects of uh, track and field need to kind of be blown up and reset a little bit. Yeah, and I think that there's an opportunity. I wonder if that is actually going to be uh, an opportunity will be taken or not, but there's going to be a lot of change mm-hmm. whether we like it or not. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, Tim, any final thoughts? What are you, um, you know, what are you looking at over the next uh, few days? What are you most excited by? Uh, other, other races that you feel that, uh, that our listeners should get, should get behind, should, you know, make a special effort to, to get to their TV, get to their laptop to stream. Uh, the steeplechase is always like an interesting event for people that may not be super hardcore uh, athletics nerds. They might just think that uh, the events are just basically laps of the track, whereas the steeplechase is you're hurtling uh, barriers and you're jumping over a, a massive pit of water. So uh, that's always like an, it's always an interesting race to watch. A lot of stuff happens, a lot of drama, a lot of falls, which is uh, mm-hmm. kind of exciting. Um, and I guess on the men's side, uh, the American Evan Yeager might kind of defeat the East Africans in what is considered kind of their event. They always dominate it. So, um, yeah, that's that should be kind of a, a dark horse, I guess, event. Um, that's definitely a must watch. And I don't think my all time favorite steeple chaser, uh, Ezekiel Kemboy, I don't think he's at world championships, if I'm not mistaken. I know he was supposed to. He. He said he was going to retire at the end of the Olympics last year, and then he he was sort of done wrong by in the final, and then he made this like amazing statement where he's like, "I'm making a comeback. I'm going to avenge <laughs> yeah. my uh, DQ or whatever it was that happened." And um, I don't think he's going to be at uh, Worlds. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like he didn't make the trials earlier uh, earlier in June uh, for Kenya. <clears throat> so that's too bad. But Steeple is super cool. Uh, Matthews is a top 10 world-class steeplechaser should be a fun to uh to watch him i hope this uh world championships has even a fraction of the drama that rio did because last year it was like i felt like there was a dive or a fall or some sort of crazy thing that happened in almost every race like so you know if it's even half as good as that i think we have a lot to look forward to over the next week and a half i think we're going to get some drama and Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we're going to have all sorts of coverage, uh, opinions, analysis, uh, previews, profiles. profiles. You're working on a really interesting one on Sage Watson. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, she's actually somehow she hasn't come up in this conversation yet. Um, Really interesting woman, actually. I sat down and I talked to her for about an hour, uh, learned a little bit about how she got into running in the first place. She's from Medicine Hat, Alberta, grew up on a ranch, uh, you know, really came into the uh, spotlight last year in Rio. We talked a lot about just, you know, her roots, uh, what training is like, even things like mastering the art of social media when everyone is watching you. I know she has a very, very large following. Um, yeah, she was quite an interesting woman to have a conversation with. I was, I was thoroughly impressed by her. And you'll have that. Uh, it'll be a feature. It's a quite yeah. a lengthy story. Yeah, coming up this weekend for her races. So Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. 
All right, uh, let's move on to our weekly recommendations. Tim in Vancouver, what are you recommending this week? Uh, I'm going to recommend the the filmmaker slash trail runner Billy Yang. He, uh, I just this week saw that he put out not not really like a a film, but more like kind of a, a daily vlog type thing about uh, the Western States 100, and he regularly puts out these 30 minute to one hour type documentary uh, movies about a lot of these trail races that would otherwise not really get uh, the coverage. So he's a uh, search him on YouTube, Billy Yang. Uh, he's basically been at all the big trail races in the world. And usually puts out some sweet videos about them. We'll add a link to the show notes. Sinead, what is your reco this week? Yes. Well, we are almost at the end of this podcast episode. So if it comes to an end and you miss us, and you want to listen to another podcast, there's an uh, interview which I listened to this morning um, on a podcast that I listen to regularly called The Long Form Podcast. Um, it's with Ed Caesar, who is a journalist. Uh, you met him at the Nike Breaking 2 Project. Uh, so this interview is a little bit, he's written extensively about running, about marathon running in particular. Um, He's a really interesting guy. I, I actually thoroughly enjoyed listening to him just kind of talk about getting to know the athletes, getting to know the marathon, um, and why he has um, such respect for the sport, um, why he's even interested in the marathon in the first place. Uh, and he's not actually someone who is always just a sports guy. So I thought that he brought some uh, pretty cool insights to that conversation. So uh, I guess we can throw a link to that as well. What's yours? He's a lovely man to chat with. He I've, is. I've I mean, I would imagine. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, uh, I've had some, I've, I've shared a few drinks with uh, Mr. Caesar and he is a, Oh, nice. He is a, he is a, he's a good guy to talk to and, uh, and a very interesting person and a very good journalist. Yes. 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 My, uh, my recommendation this week is a, a, a Twitter more of a Twitter, but Twitter and Instagram feed, uh, an account, a person, a personality, <laughs> a, a legend, even, uh, on it's Twitter and Instagram at she wolf runs, Sheila Reed, Canadian ah. track and field athlete and self-proclaimed social assassin. <laughs> Sheila Reed has my favorite uh, athlete uh, Twitter account, specifically Twitter. Really? She is a master of Twitter. She's a Twitter ninja. She is. <laughs> There's some really good uh, good <laughs> things to her name there. Social assassin and Twitter ninja, Sheila Reed. <laughs> I, she's, she's a very good runner. She's arguably better at Twitter. Um, she is. Uh, I've, I, have, uh, uh, I have been a fan for years. Uh, she always makes me laugh. I always am sh- i'm always make sure to kind of check check out sort of like her commentary hmm. on things cool. um every other day or so so uh i'm sure she'll have some some sweet hilarious barbs uh, some some great tweets some choice tweets from london uh she already has actually i'm just looking here um some yeah. hot takes you could even say for I, the informal you know, hot takes episode I, more like more like um funny takes okay more like uh um you can't do that on television green slime takes (laughs) she yeah 
Yeah, she's great. Sounds like a good read. Her her Twitter is amazing. Her Instagram is amazing. You should follow. If you do not, you should follow Sheila Reed on social media. That's my recommendation this week. Cool. All right, everybody. Uh, Tim, enjoy running up the mountain. Don't throw up. <laughs> or do. Just get it on the Word, GoPro. Words to live by. Yes, yes. And if you do throw <laughs> up, make sure you're filming it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll thanks. Do. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Apple Podcast. And we're also now available on Stitcher and Google Play. Uh, make sure to follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the shakeout podcast and on Twitter at shakeout podcast and Instagram at shakeout podcast. <laughs>